we go as the uh, pompous uh, orchestral introduction for Sonic Talk <laughs> dies away there. Uh, something that might have to be changed quite recently because I've heard some new articulations of orchestral choir type stuff which uh, beat the one that that was done in but that's nonetheless um, uh, we want to thank um, uh, the guy who won that um, Mr. Kent, Kent Spong. Kent, Kent Spong. Spong. Anyway, uh, we'll, we'll back to that. It's Nam. We've just come back from Nam, everybody. It's uh, the Sonic Talk number 346. Let's try that, 346. And uh, we're back and refreshed. Usually from Nam, I come back and I literally got in the night before. I come back, get up, do the show. This time, I figured I'd give myself a week off. In fact, I stayed a day later and had a really nice time in Santa Monica where the sun was shining and I paddled in the... Um, in the Pacific and did all those things. In fact, uh, my, some of my other guests um, have, have probably done the same. I'll st- I'll, but more on that in a second. So um, we'll start off. We've got a new guest. Actually, we met a chap over at NAM uh, where we were taken very good care of by the NAM people. We were in a special VIP uh, press room where we had ring-fenced uh, network and like a, a, a concierge. A very attractive concierge as well, series of concierges, and just to kind of, you know, our own special place. It was awesome, actually. So I just want to say um, hello and welcome to Mr. Corey Banks, who's over there. Whereabouts? So you're on the East Co- West Coast somewhere, right? Uh, undisclosed yeah, location. That's right. Corey, somewhere in a private, undisclosed, yet sunny location. A sort of bunker <laughs> with, uh, with one of those light um, pipes that come in. Deep underground, right. ladies and gentlemen, where the base cannot escape. Uh, Corey Banks, bboytechreport.com. Corey covers kind of, I guess, technology from a kind of hip-hop R&B point of view. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, that'd be totally fair to say. What what I want to do with uh, what I actually do with B-Boy Tech Report is I found that everything that I wanted to know, there was not much coverage from a hip-hop perspective or even an R&B perspective and a beat-making type of thing. So that's what I do. you know, I just kind of check out all the different things, the same stuff that anybody else is checking out, but I have my own perspective, and that's from uh, a beat maker and a hip-hop perspective. So, yeah, that's what I do. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Corey. That's uh, your first. You may have recognized Corey from other internet uh, publications, but if you've probably seen his videos on YouTube, he's all over the place. So uh, I want to say thanks for him <laughs> to coming on. Uh, we've also got our guitars editor. Oh, who's shrunk? Uh, Rich Beach there. I, I, I will fix seats that immediately. Richard Beach there, uh, sonicstate.com forward slash amped. Look, I even give him a little Les Paul headstock. How's that? Which is, yeah, incidentally, the guitar I use in my reviews. So uh, there you go. If you just talk for five seconds, I'll make your screen bigger. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, so I also got back from Nam around the same time that Nick did, uh, but I one-upped him by going surfing in the Pacific Sea, which was obviously Ooh. has a lot more kudos to it. So. Uh, there we go. I think there I'll you go, Rich. Next. I've I've um, I've enlarged you enormously. I hope that was pleasurable for you as it was for me. <laughs> um, right. I uh, love this show. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that's uh, Rich Beach. Um, Rich Beach, of course, um, guitar, like I said, guitars editor, did a sterling job. I've been watching some of the videos. I, haven't had a, I didn't get a chance to watch everything. And uh, your presentation skills are putting me to shame. I feel like a donkey compared to your smooth moves on the mic there. Thank you. You're, you're <laughs> one of very few people to say that. <laughs> uh, respect and recognition will be forthcoming, I'm sure. Um, 
And Mr. Gaz Williams over there in um, Bristol. Uh, Gaz Williams, of course, music technologist, professional bass player, and just general man about town. And uh, purveyor of fine hairstyles. We're looking quite windswept today. Gaz is sort of almost, I could almost detect a hairband if I didn't know you better. How are you? Oh. No, you haven't got no, a hairband. No. <laughs> but um yeah how do you feel coming back to this horrible weather in britain nick it must be quite a come down uh yes you're quite correct it is quite horrible um it was really uh because in santa monica we, you know we basically because normally i come straight back i don't get any time off i took a night off we left uh anaheim early because we usually leave on monday morning we left on sunday night so we had a full day and a night in uh, in santa monica um just a block back from the coast and went and had breakfast on the beach and it was just it was bloody great and then when we got back to the uk literally i kind of you know i managed to get some sleep on the plane which is awesome it was one of those flights where um business class is really full First class was full, but cattle class was completely empty. So everybody in cattle class had an entire row of seats to themselves. So, yeah, it was a real sort of uh, power to the people moment. And I felt like, well, I paid the cheapest flight and I got an in- I got four seats to lie down on. So when I got back, it was just peeing with rain. It was freezing and I had, you know, I was inappropriately dressed and all of those things that you get from coming back from sunnier climbs. But I feel fine. It's t- I'm over the jet lag and what have you. It's really no problem at all. So um, thanks for asking. So uh, what have you been up to, Gaz? You've been viewing, you've been viewing from afar. Uh, the rest of us so far on the show have, uh, were there in person. Um, and it was kind of, you know, it was, a, it was a, an intense experience, but it's very hard to see it from the sort of outside point of view. You know, you have your, your immersed head on, and whereas you're, you, you're probably the person who's got the most uh, realistic perspective of what perhaps happened. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I should have actually been doing my tax returns at the time, but I was completely <laughs> sort of preoccupied with uh, sort of doing regular kind of page updates on the Sonic State page to see what was happening. Uh, yeah, it was it was interesting. It was it, it was exciting, you know, and I saw the Sonic State land. You know, I was like I was like cheering like home runs every time you'd sort of landed what looked like a world exclusive. You know, it was like, yay, up with the boys. You know, it was great. You know, um, there was some. They were, you got some. You, you landed some biggies there, didn't you? Yeah, it worked out very well from that point of view. Uh, we were very fortunate to get a bunch of scoops. Uh, and what's great about it is on Wednesday, uh, we managed to get the Moog, which there's still nothing else there, but perhaps we'll come to that in a sec. Um, <laughs> but yes, it, it, we were very fortunate. It meant we could take the feet off the brakes a little bit on the Friday and Saturday from our point of view. I know Rich was uh, running around like crazy because there's a lot more, I think, a lot more guitar-based stuff than there is technology. Um but yeah, we were very fortunate and we were just looked after by everybody, which is the kind of cool thing. Um, I'll just come to Mark quickly to introduce him because he's also, this is Mark Tinley, who's got the Rich Hilton lower third because this is a, Rich unfortunately was very ill and couldn't come on because he was coughing regularly. So this is Mark Tinley, likebeing.com or marktinley.co.uk. I am marktinley.co.uk. Hello. Hello. Um, I'm not Richard Hilton, but I don't mind pretending to be rich, but I'll have to put on, <laughs> I couldn't even start to do his accent. I <laughs> I don't and think... I've got the wrong hair. Yeah, I know that's all right. That that hair's fine. I've got, I've got a cream beret somewhere though. I could do that part. Uh, well, that's okay. So uh, Mark uh, very kindly agreed to jump on at the last minute. Um, did you watch from afar as to what was going on at Nam? I did watch from afar. I followed your Twitter feed and I and I watched all your videos. And uh, to be honest, I just I actually just looked to see what was going on at Nam. On your website. Oh, <laughs> that's, the way, that's the way we like to keep it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, and, there, yeah, there are some kind of interesting things come out. 
I'll try and well, uh, I th- no, okay, go well, that- through my muddled memory and see if I can remember <laughs> what was exciting and what wasn't. I realise I put you rather on the spot there at uh, three minutes' notice. That's always going to be tricky. Um, I was going to go to uh, Corey a second. So, Corey, yeah. how many is this? How many NAMs have you attended? Is this? Uh, is, are you a veteran or is this one of your early trips? This is one of my early ones. Actually, this is my second NAM. Wow. Yeah. Not so a it's NAM. pretty exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So what? A lot of cool I mean, what are you, going on. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this year felt to me felt very kind of buoyant and buzzing. But when you kind of come back and step from it, you think, well, actually, how many groundbreaking products were the, were there for you? I mean, from your point of view, what was the what was your highlights? Um. Well, I can tell you, I'm I'm totally enamored with the the Moog Sub Thirty Seven. Um, I I love what they've done to expand the sub uh, the sub fatty. Uh-huh. Uh. I was really into, of course, the drum machine by um, Electron, the Electron Rhythm. Uh, they told me I can call it Rhythm, even though it's spelled Rhythm. They told me they didn't need me to speak uh, Sweden. So, <laughs> so I call it the Electron Rhythm. So really into that. That was pretty cool. Um, there were quite a few things. And, of course, you know, I kind of stalked the Bitwig studio suite. So uh, that was exciting. I'm really looking forward to that stuff. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how they come, how they sort of come on with their optimization and what have you. I mean, they've set a date now, haven't they? Which is twenty sixth of March, I believe, specifically, right. sort of just just after Music Mesa. So uh, they've sort of found a window of opportunity. Um, yeah. So yeah, we'll see how that comes along. That'd be interesting. It's going to be uh, there's a lot of a lot of uh, competition in the DAW market. So you know, I mean, but also expectation for that at the same time. So hopefully they're going to be able to pull it off. I expect they'll get a lot of interest to begin with, right? Yeah, well, there's a lot of buzz going around for the for Bitwig Studio. I mean, and even though there's a lot of uh, things going on in the DAW market, I mean, what competition does Ableton have? I don't think there's much out there like Ableton Live besides now Bitwig. So it'd be interesting to see the duel to the death begin. Yeah, well, uh, I think the fact that it's got a familiar workflow and it's not like, a, you know, because people who run DAWs are a conservative bunch. They don't like to jump ship and have to learn an entire new set of key commands and all of that. And that's something that I don't think they've actually put in yet, which is uh, customized key commands. That's going to be coming up soon. I, I would have thought you'd have to do that right away, but maybe they've made them as familiar as possible. Uh, but we'll have to see. Um, but, you know, challenges that once they actually get the thing coming out, it's going to be a real they're going to have to really get on their case to to bring out these updates because as soon as it gets to a wider audience they're going to be people going hey it needs to do this it needs to do that and they'll have a lot of people hassling them i'd imagine right oh big time big time and you know what people are unforgiving (laughs) (laughs) people i mean just ask the kai people are totally unforgiving they'll be like like banging down your door give me this it should have had this there's no way it doesn't have this because the thing is um, you know, we're musicians and beat makers. We don't know what happens, and most of us don't know what it takes to actual program all of this stuff and how, you know, iterations happen. Um, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how they get along with it. And, of course, they're going, their iterations come out, uh, Windows, Mac, Linux, across three platforms mm. simultaneously. All their builds are parity across all platforms, which has got to be a challenge, wow, I'd huge. imagine. Yeah, yeah that's, that's huge. That's huge. I can't imagine. But as well as the, as rhythm, which is, I guess, the Swedish way of saying rhythm, or perhaps the Turkish way, because uh, we we had uh, Chenk, who's the guy, their main guy. He's the guy that makes everybody want to buy Electron stuff because they go, oh, I wish I could be as good as him. Or if I buy it, am I going to be as good as him? And the answer is prob- probably no. Cenk <laughs> is about the most impressive product demonstrator I think I've ever seen, actually. I think I agree he's, with that, uh, yeah. 
he's outstanding. And and, and like Corey, I think perhaps the electron rhythm is was the highlight of the show for me, really, I think. Uh, but, you know, Jenk just, he's just like a whiz, isn't he, on all the products? Oh, totally. And he just, uh, he's good at explaining things as well, though. Uh, you have to, you do have to kind of keep up with him, but uh, yeah. he's lightning fast. It's interesting. When we did the analog uh, four, four. Uh, they came over here mm-hmm. and literally John was doing the talking and Jenk was just basically demonstrating what he was saying at the time. And it is cool, but you can't get away from the fact that you're just basically looking at a screen and, and, and randomly tweaking and a set of eight knobs that are not labeled, which I think mm-hmm. that's one thing Rich Hilton said, because Rich Hilton came over, was that, you know, it, it sounds great, but, You've got to be kidding me, working on an LCD that size. I mean, it's just, it's so prehistoric in many ways. And, I, you know, you've got to say that that is a point of view that has some validity, wouldn't you say? Mark, uh, you, you uh, have some I experience. About that, yeah. I've just got the analogue keys. I'm not Rich Hilton, by the way. No, this is Mark Tinley, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. I've any confusion. I'm going to say that every time, shall I? I've just got the analogue keys and I've been playing with that. And I'm not finding that that's a limitation, having those knobs and being able to jump through the menus. I... I I, I I think the display could be bigger, but it's the information's clear and being able to get to the things that I want to get to fairly quickly seems pretty clear. And I haven't looked in the manual, I've just switched it on. The only thing that's driving me nuts is I, I don't think analog keyboards should have digital reverb on them, and it seems to have digital reverb on things. And the button that says effect mute does something else <laughs> well to be fair mark you've only had it in the house for what an hour or two right i've had it in the house for about yeah 45 minutes which is why i wasn't going to come on the podcast but the whole house now has that delicious smell of new synthesizer and it's kind of permeating everything including the dog and i'm like going now i remember why i used to like buying new synths all the time it's that kind of smell you know the packaging those carcinogens emanating out of the plasticized packaging (laughs) someone should do that as a fragrance they really should it's fabulous No, that's what I call new smith. New synth, the new synth smell. You can buy new car smell, right, can't you? Isn't that quite popular in the states? It yeah. is. It is. Yeah, buy a little can, tree yeah. that has that smells like a new car. <laughs> I, I prefer a little synth cardboard thing that smells like a, a analog four, though. So we should work yeah, that yeah. out. Yeah, I think it might be a bit more niche, but yeah, definitely worth doing. <laughs> that's right. Uh, Rich, you're, I, I'm feeling like we're leaving you out here on guitar. You're, you're over there on your guitar. You, maybe you and Gaz can collaborate because uh, Gaz does play things with strings as well. So, uh, but, so from your point of view, I mean, you've been going, what's this, your fourth or fifth year now? I can't remember. Feels uh, like that was my fourth year. Fourth year, right? Okay, so, and it was interesting. Before the show, we were sort of sitting in the hotel the night before, just sort of going, actually, I don't feel terribly excited. You know, I'm just kind of, yeah. And and I guess it's a testament, fortunately, to our preparation that. I didn't feel that excited because I wasn't thinking, my God, I'm really worried about X, Y, or Z going wrong because it felt like everything was covered. But actually, once you're on the floor, it sort of the, the adrenaline takes over. I think it's the, to do with um, just being bombarded with 120 dB of shredding guitars that starts to kick the adrenaline. But from your point of view, what was, what's your kind of initial sense of the show as compared to previous years? Uh, well, so first of all, I found out that the actual legal sound limit is 80 dB. <laughs> and uh, yeah, right. yeah that, right that was being broken left right and center um i can tell because i have uh, really bad hearing in my right ear compared to my left ear and that actually got worse while i was at nam which is obviously a bit of a shame so ne- next year i must take earbuds um and yeah i think 
the main thing for me, it's funny when you said it was buoyant because I was actually looking outside my window and there's a, there's a sort of key outside my house and there's a little life buoy bobbing up and down. Um, and I was staring at it when you said the word buoyant, but wow. that's how Nam felt to me this year. It felt like it was uh, very positive on the guitar side as well. Um, I know that most of the guys probably listening to this right now are in, more into tech than guitar, but there was some real nice kind of crossover stuff like the Source Audio uh, Manta bass filter. Oh, yeah, um, I saw that. That was really nice. Well, they, they, you can use the hot hand USB controller to control um, some of the effects on the filter. So you can, get, you can play an actual bass guitar and get some really cool wobble bass sounds. Um, I know everyone's a bit sick of wobble bass at the moment, but it, it, you, know, you can do other things rather than just that. But that was one of the best demonstrations I saw. Um, and it's funny you were talking about new synths as well, because uh, the new synth smell, one of the biggest things for me was it felt like all of, the, all of the big amp companies out there had kind of all thought at the same time, like, why are we just, you know, making digital equipment that costs, you know, sometimes over a thousand pounds, let's just make some really, really nice tube amps that sound great. And uh, I really got used to that new tube amp smell ah um, the, the, the sort of the, that's a cross between dust and wax heating up isn't oh, yeah it? <laughs> well, it's just it's just such a pretty smell and i mean the vox ac15 special edition had the nicest smell out of any amp at, uh, <laughs> at nam this year and uh yeah i just, just kind of made me want to spend about two thousand five hundred dollars on a new tube amp which i can't afford to do but i will uh try and do that before summer um so I think, yeah, the big thing for me is probably going to buy a new amp, one of the ones that was released at NAMM, and there were just loads of cool guitar gadgets there, which is great too. Do they actually, is there any kind of ad advances in valves? I mean, does anyone ever come out with a new valve that will change the face of, you know, a guitar sound or whatever, or is, th or is that stuff all pretty much set in the... No, uh, it was funny. I was actually um, at an R&D uh, sort of thing for Yamaha on Monday, uh, they basically just showed me a few things that I'm not allowed to talk about and I had to give my opinion on them. But we, we have we had a conversation about NAM and I told them that I thought it was just all about tube amps this year. And a few of them asked me, so like, have there been, is there any upgrade in you know, anything? Is there anything new? And I was like, no, no, they sound really old, which is great. Um, you know, and it's, it's all old technology. But I think a lot of the major amp companies have been really scared to do what they do best, which is make really, really great hand-wired tube amps. Um, and the boutique market has caught up with them, taken a load of uh, money away from them. And Marshall in particular have just sort of realized, well, you know, why are we building um, five-watt Class A combos when we could be um, doing something that sounds like our blues breakers but actually has a bit more in the way of uh, flexibility and options. So I think that's what's happening. Mm, that's interesting. Though. I mean, it's, it seems like there's quite a lot of room to, to shake that market up with hybrid in the same way that synthesizers are being, you know, the digital control of analog uh, componentry, you know, which will give you whatever repeatability. I mean, there sounds like there's quite a market for that. I know, Gaz, you're, you, you kind of straddle both worlds, uh, you traitor, you. And uh, <laughs> so, I mean, if on the guitar side, was there anything that kind of kind of really stood out for you? Um, gosh, there was so much, wasn't there? Uh, I wasn't sure about those touch plates that Rich was championing. That I wasn't sure about that. I thought they looked quite ugly. Those were like they looked like sort of track pads built into the scratch plate that you could. Um, oh, for flipping switch up configurations and what have you. Yeah, I mean, 
why why did you think that was so good rich what was the, what was your uh, what 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 excited you about that uh, i think what excited me the most was the actual potential there i mean that company is so young and still has a you know quite quite honestly still has a lot of work to do but um that's a prototype they can make them look prettier and they the whole point of them being at nam was to work with uh, for example, I think Fender might be might be teaming up with them to release an actual off-the-shelf guitar. So, if that happens, it could look prettier. And what's so the what more, more, more like a scratch that, plate? Then is that the idea? Um, sorry, my flatmate just walked in. Um, look more like the scratch plate if it was. Oh is that the idea? It wouldn't look so different from the scratch plate. Yeah, I think. You know, I, I think the guy who designed it is all about technology and maybe not so much about design. And you see that a lot at NAMM, especially with prototypes. So I think if you can get it to look good and fit in with, you know, they're putting it on a on a Stratocaster, which is such an iconic guitar. You know, every, every Stratocaster has three knobs, or almost all of them do. Um, it has a five-way pickup selector, and they've taken those things off and replaced it with Wow. Things that you know, like you say, look like a trackpad. So um, yeah, I think there are going to be people that Has moan it got about that. Is a screen on it, like an iPad? No, is it's it like it, the XY MIDI pad thing. Does it light up? That, I think what that's... It's, it's like a laptop track trackpad almost. Exactly. Um, yeah, because I, I talked to that guy. I thought it was a pretty cool thing. Uh, look, I know nothing about guitars. Um, but I thought I mean, it was I, cool I, to take old tech like a guitar that's the classic, most classic instrument next to the piano that, you know, they start putting all this uh, new tech on it. Uh, so I don't know much about what the plan is going forward, how he's going to develop it, but I thought it was pretty cool to add technology to a guitar. But, yeah, I think he will have to think about the design because it did kind of look like a cannibalized laptop trackpad slapped onto a guitar. <laughs> Go, Graham. <Yeah. laughs> I've been doing wanna... a couple of things. I'm making a guitar at the moment, or I'm... I'm getting quite a lot of help making this guitar, actually. So I won't claim to be the, I won't claim to be the master craftsman here. But um, I've also been making stuff with this app called Touch Osk in the iPad and making like loads of controller things. Yeah. And it struck me the other day that if I built the iPad into the front of the guitar, and I could design my own controller interface and have it on the front of the guitar, that that would be pretty cool. But then where do you put a bloody great big rectangular thing like an iPad on a guitar? So somebody needs to develop a kind of a shaped iPad. So instead of it being like rectangular, it could be shaped like a Strat scratch plate, but it wow. would be a touch, multi-touch screen, and then you could, touch, you could put your controllers on underneath the strings, and then you could touch the controllers and change things, uh, and do away with the controllers and have things you could see and adjust. That makes sense to me. Mm. So mid, have you mid, all mid, seen have have you all seen uh Livid's uh new Kickstarter program for Guitar Wing? No, I haven't um, seen that. Yeah, well it's almost like like what was just being mentioned here. So it's it's basically a little um uh, it looks like a wing, and it fits right under the, the bottom of the, the, the guitar, and it has sort of like Livid's classic little uh, buttons and a couple switches and, uh, you know, uh, track pad sort of things for leveling and things. And I think they're coming out with a, a, a iPad effects. Uh, I think it's called Wing Effects. Oh, I, 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 I yeah. see. There it goes. 
it looks like yeah. a sort of um, oh yeah, that's kind prosthetic, of cool. a, a, a prosthetic attachment. Yeah, I design my own controllers though. I need to be able to design what goes there and what it does, so that I can choose what to control with it. Right, I see what you're saying. I mean, I don't just want a whole set of you know knobs and faders where they want to put them. I want them to be where it makes sense right. to me when I'm playing a guitar. Well, that's quite a challenge to create a kind of a, 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 a totally configurable um, tactile uh, surface, but that's an interesting idea. Actually, while we're on the but subject... Well, it's because touch Ask already is that. It just means... No, but it's a square screen, isn't it? To, to create a shape, a shape, a custom-shaped screen, yeah. because that's the issue, because these screens, these touch screens are so, uh, are so affordable because they run them out in, you know, they press them out in their millions. Yeah. Whereas if you've got something, I want one star-shaped, the more likely is you'd have a rectangle with a template over it that just revealed a star shape of the screen that was underneath. That's more likely to happen. So maybe an iPad mini or something smaller in it is where you're going to have to go for that kind of, um, that kind of thing. I don't know. Did, you, did anyone see the Keith Macmillan um, strong arm guitar sustainer, which is very similar to the uh, Moog uh, sustain guitar, but it, it seemed to have a slightly different overtone quality and it, these little piezoelectric pickups that have... Uh, um, they had the, so the individual strings, but there was also some other cool stuff in it. Like uh, he had an accelerometer, and I think where if you twitch the neck, you'd change patches. You could do all sorts of things. That looked pretty interesting as well. Keith McMillan up to his usual kind of boffin bonkers kind of stuff. Did anyone see that? It sort of looked like a looked like a modernised gizmo, didn't it? In a way, I think. Yeah, yeah, it did a bit because uh, it sort of puts the it actually sort of puts a little bit of vibration into the bridge saddles. Uh, which kind of gives the strings, uh, really? I think, near infinite sustain, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it wow. did. nice. Look pretty good. I th- uh, and I think, and, and that's retro. You can fit that. Um, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I think you'd yeah. have to. You still have to cut a big hole in the back of the guitar to um, put the electronics in. But the bridge itself is is the same. And I, I don't know if the accelerometer was drilled in somewhere. I didn't quite see that. Um, but. Uh, it was a, a very brief demonstration. But to my ears, it's sounding nice because the thing about a lot of those infinite sustain things, they have this really weird metallic overtone. The harmonics are wrong and it, 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 it actually grates. It doesn't, whereas that sounded a little more musical to me um, a little bit. So uh, without going into too much detail. But um, uh, there was something else I was going to talk about as well, which I've completely forgotten. Oh, yeah, this was, yeah, that, that's right. Um, I mean, the one thing that also came out, I mean, it seemed to me, you know, we were, we, we didn't have what we call massively progressive uh, new technology. We go back to rhythm. I mean, I suppose the thing about that, the only other analog drum machine there is, is the Tempest. So this is giving that a run for its money. And the other kind of cool yeah. things, did anyone see the Artoria um, beat? What's it? I think I've got a video of that the somewhere. Beat step? Yeah, I mean, if just if fabulous. I'm, I might be able to play something. <laughs> I'm going to try and play something. Ah, oh, here we go. I think this is it. We'll find out after the credits come in. I think this is the beat step, or is it? This is going to be. Okay. Yeah, got it right. I'm Glenn Darcy, Ooh. Vice President. I'll just play this for a sec. For uh, we're here at the 2014 NAM show, and I'm here to show you the new beat step. The beat step's a general-purpose MIDI controller. It's going to be available uh, in March. Uh, the street price on it's going to be uh, ninety-nine dollars. Jesus, ninety-nine bucks. It's sixteen pads and seventeen assignable knobs. So it's a standard uh, standard pad controller. What we've got is we've got USB output. The USB going to the computer. If you uh, or the USB going to the computer. If you want, you can use it standalone by just using any USB charger. We've got. Is it classical? 
Is it with an iPad? Um, yeah, it's class compliant. We actually are showing demos over on the other side of the booth with an iPad. Good question, uh, Andy. With two things, we're using it with an iPad and an original Oberheim SEM module because we have CV and gate output as well as MIDI output. Okay, great. I won't play all of it. It's also got an internal step sequencer, which seems to be because I think the Trigger Finger Pro, which is the new thing, has also got some of that stuff. I'm guessing, um, Corey, this is probably something that's right up your street because, I mean, in yeah. terms of making beats. Um, have you found response to that stuff? Because, I mean, when we posted that video, it's it's no, it's in our top 10 YouTube video kind of views for that week. Yeah, actually, a lot of people, I mean, Arturia is beloved by beat makers ever since they got with the, the Spark and the Spark LE, or as I often call it, the Sparkle. But yeah, the beat step is, is pretty dope, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to check it out. Unfortunately, I was always so caught up. You know, they did those demos. They had a schedule. I don't know. It was like 1.30, 2.30, 4.30, whatever it was. But I was always caught up. You were in at, the wrong uh, half hour, at, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, what? What? You did it already? <laughs> so I'm, I'm looking forward to getting it in my hands and really checking it out. But I, I love what they're doing and finally having 16 pads. You know, that's kind of the definitive setup, no matter if it's in a 4x4 configuration or a two by eight like they have but it's real cool that they put 16 pads on it and that it can you know sequence all kinds of stuff external internal software ipad whatever so and 99 bucks i mean that's pretty hard to argue with isn't it 99 bucks yeah. is kind of almost it's an impulse buy almost isn't it yeah yeah i mean yeah you could buy that just because you're curious and if you don't like it oh well it was 99 bucks <laughs> yeah and, and it's a 99 bucks midi to cv converter as well yeah i mean hello yeah. That's always yeah, worth yeah. having. And that's the thing that's interesting. I mean, the, what's what, one of the things that really I found really did come out in the whole sort of from NAM is, you know, uh, there were two things for me. One is like modification of workflow. It all seemed to be about workflow, which is quite interesting when you consider probably 90% of the people that actually buy this stuff don't do anything professionally. It's just a kind of, you know, a hobby for them. So that's sort of, it, but it's an aspiration to being professional if you can improve your workflow. And also just reducing the price of stuff. I mean, some of the prices that we've been seeing for stuff, I mean, you look at the Behringer as well. It's just like, what, how on earth can you make this stuff for that much money? And, mm. I, and that's that's the thing that's kind of interesting. And Altoria definitely nailing that. I don't know whether maybe it's a lost leader. You know, you get in stores where they put something cute in the window that costs next mind, to nothing. Mind you, though, you look at a toy, don't you? If you saw a toy, like a children's toy, and you pay, like, say, sort of 15 quid for it or something, and, you know, they obviously have got the toy manufacturing, have got that down, haven't they? So perhaps it's just a... You know, it's advances volume, within. Well, yeah, that, I suppose volume. That is kind possible. of thing. So they've they've but, utilized prior R and D and used uh, and then created something with volume. They must have created billions of them. Yeah, that's true. But Go. it's another it's another um, Arturia product, which is bang on what people want. You know, they did it with the the mini brute and then certainly with the micro brute. Uh, and they they just seem to have their finger right on the pulse. I mean, that thing, it manages to tick so many boxes. And it actually looks nice as well. It's got a nice design aesthetic, which ties in with their other products. And oh, I mind think, you, it's because it's so white, you're going to get that that kind of NPC finger dirt pretty quickly, which I guess is almost like yeah. a badge of honor in beat making, isn't it? If your, pads aren't, <laughs> if your pads aren't grubby, you know, what have you been doing with your life? 
That's right. You ain't been banging them pads, son. What's up? You ain't banging the pads. Your pads ain't dirty. <laughs> Mind you, finger banging pads. That's that came up in another um, in another interview we did with the with the Roly Seaboard, uh, which is the squishy keyboard that uh, is on the other pr- end of the price scale. Um, somebody left in the comments is like, why would I want a, bi- a, a keyboard that's like? Fin-? Yeah, anyway, I won't say that. Carry the, on, Gaz. The Roly the Seaboard. Oh, sorry. Gaz, yeah. No. Go. Go, Rich. No, I just, when I saw that on our, because obviously, you know, I, I dealt purely with guitar stuff, well, mainly when I was at NAMM. So when I saw that come up on our website, the word Roly in capitals is so close to RNLI. Uh, and then, you know, RNLI, you know, C, <laughs> it would be lifeguards. So I saw that and I was like, why are the RNLI releasing uh, some sort of product that is related to the C that is, you know, a tech product? They're going to say confused me. Just for, just for uh, our international viewers, RNLI is the name of the uh, national lifeguard, um, you know, the, the people who go out in the boats and save lives in the sea. So, yeah, I get your point. Lucky it's not red or has a lifeboat, a life jacket. <laughs> anyway, you definitely wouldn't. But, yeah, it, maybe it floats. You could probably use it as a life-saving device. It's made of some kind of special foam that might, in fact, yeah. uh, it's an interesting thought. Um, but coming back to you, Rich, I mean, uh, in, you know, you're talking about the... the uh, we were talking about price point stuff. Were you seeing that the prices were being driven down on the guitar side or was it sort of very much going in the boutique direction, pay more and get get something more unique? I think there was a bigger divide between uh, boutique stuff and cheap stuff. So even companies that would maybe usually release really expensive products were also uh, building products that are affordable like matchless amps, which are completely un- unaffordable for most people, released a preamp box where you could get the sort of the matchless sound in a in a pedal format basically. And then Fender they're doing their pawn shop stuff still with um with amplifiers. They had this really cool amp called the Vaporizer which was like three hundred dollars. So cheap for a twelve watt tube amp. And uh, then they were releasing new versions of like you know their tweed amp head, and that cost some. I can't even remember it. It's like two thousand something dollars, which right. uh, you know isn't affordable for most people. But no, I guess not. I mean, you Sorry. get that. You get you end up with that kind of uh, yeah. It's the divide the boutique thing. Same with synthesizers as well, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, I, I suppose um, the other thing that I, I sort of noticed really was. There wasn't an awful lot going on in software world apart from the uh, isotope uh, brake tweaker. I, I noticed, um, Corey. I'm guessing a lot of a lot of what's happening outside of the kind of hardware and pads is kind of in software. Did you find? Did, I could. I just couldn't find much in the world apart. You know, apart there, there and- wasn't. There wasn't a whole lot going on. I mean, as a matter of fact, I had people uh, hit me up on Twitter and on my YouTube channel, like. Hey, where's this company? Where's that company? I'm like, I don't know. I don't see them. I don't know where they are. <laughs> I've heard that a couple of them have reps roaming around, but not a lot of them had booths. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's just a different type of deal. I don't know if they, who knows? I can speak about it. But who knows if they see the value in, or if maybe they just don't have anything. I mean, who's their uh, Cubase 7.5? But that's 7.5. It's not like a whole, like, 8.0, like a, yeah. a new iteration, you know what I mean? So maybe this was just like an off year for, for software. I don't know. I, I wonder um, what we see there are people who are making high value or, you know, certainly valued uh, large sample libraries. So I, I did something with uh, Embertone, uh, Blaker's Cello, and also Realavox Blue, which was really cool. In fact, uh, Mike Green um, did a uh, fantastic uh, Sonic State-based um 
phrase for me in his demo. But those are the things mm. that seem to be there rather than maybe the thing about virtual... That we did see AAS and other people, but maybe the, that market is being depressed because of the piracy issue. And so there's just not as much money in kind of going out and doing that. They're much better off just sort of focusing on the core technology and saving the cash for that's being ripped out from, from piracy. Maybe there's, there's that but- as well. Well, there was a, there was a big software announcement, wasn't there? That that took us all by surprise from Korg with Gadget. That was a nam. Yes, that was a nam. Oh, yeah, really, yeah. wasn't it? This is true. iOS, yeah. really. That was is that that's. But yeah, I guess. Yeah. But that did look. Um, good. I, they didn't really show us that at all, and I've been meaning to look at that. We'll do that in a Sonic Touch, I reckon. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's a brilliant piece of software. I'm you got so it. impressed with oh, it. Oh, nice. They do do good iOS apps. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'll tell you the um, thing that really impressed me, actually. And it was, I'm going to call him Stephen Satan because he has really black eyes and he never moves his eyeballs. <laughs> but uh, the Slate Digital thing, that microphone thing, did anybody see? Yeah, we did a, we did a, a bit about it. In. Yeah, that's um, where the, you, you buy I mean, the That mic. looked really interesting because in the same way that the Line 6 guitar for me is kind of a game changer, it means I don't have to have loads of guitars. I can just plug one guitar in and flick through and get as close an approximation to some of those kind of classic guitar tones, if you can get, and judging by the YouTube video, it sounded pretty much the same, if you can get the same sounds that people have been using on recordings for the last 50, 60 years, and you've got access to all of those microphone sounds from a unit like that, that, and, and the reason I'm mentioning it at this point in the conversation is because it takes... DSP technology and it marries it to a piece of hardware. So without that absolutely flat or, you know, basically referenced microphone set that it comes with, it wouldn't make any sense as a piece of software on its own. But those two things married together, if I can just stick a mic in front of someone and go, I'm going to stick you through a U47 and a Fairchild kind of emulation through this channel strip and whatever, and then I've got that sound just instantly available i think that is a game changer because most of the time we go out and rent mics and they're all getting old and falling apart and blah 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 yeah and it, would, you know, it would be kind of i don't know it just looks it cool. does look, maybe i, I should it's actually may- found you know something that maybe I'm i should just explain what it is essentially what it is is rather than just a mic modeling technology you buy two mics you buy a large capacity a large uh, diaphragm and a small diaphragm a condenser mic which are Stephen Slate's own specification. I don't know whether they make them. Uh, that you also buy a two-channel uh, preamp, and then that goes into the uh, signal and is um, is processed by the plug-in in the computer because it knows what it's getting effectively. Because the whole thing about mic modelling in the past has been so. If I take my rubbishy SM57, can you make it sound like a C12, please? Of course we can't. It won't possibly work. Whereas because uh, they know what they're getting in, because they know the frequency response of the mics, they can much more uh, knowledgeably process the signal. So it's an interesting... And it's a couple that of, makes sense. It's a couple of thousand bucks. You know, it's not... It's not. I mean, it's, I mean, it's a bunch of cash, I've, but it's not an excessive amount of money. I've got the, Antar, the Antares mic modeler thing, and it's useful in that if I throw up a... If I use an Octava MK219, which is kind of a budget large... Di- or one of the first budget large diaphragm mics, I can make it sound more like other things, but it's a bit of a... A, oh, you know, well, a yeah. bit of a loose science, I suppose. It doesn't. Or... Uh oh. 
<laughs> is that is that the uh, is that the electron falling on the floor? Is that the dog eating the packaging? <laughs> oh no, Jesus, that wouldn't be good. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, well, at least my, no, you know what? I won't go there. That's a complete Um uh, Don't worry, electron. It's fine. I haven't broken it yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what was I saying? Yeah. So it is a bit of a dark art trying to get one microphone to sound like another, and it is it's useful. You can create effects with it, but to actually. <laughs> Have something that... Sorry, I've just got to put that. Steve Satan is in the chat room. You summoned me, he says. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> the Dark Lord. Sorry, I blew your flow. I, I, I do beg your pardon. I think you're right, though. I think um, it's an interesting... It's an interesting... But the, 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 also, some of the stuff the guy was saying was what high dynamic frequency response. What the hell does that mean? That's just that, marketing that, that's nonsense. Yeah, it's just, so there is an element of smoke I, and mirrors. Sorry, Rich. Yeah, speaking of smoke. Mm, no, I want <laughs> to hear it. Rich, is smoke, are, you, are you enjoying your Applewood smoke um, um, fancy cigar, electronic cigarette? Yes, I found that um, my <laughs> kudos as a gentleman has gone up by at least 7%. So. Excellent. Well, that's something that we can always, uh, you know, not that we're endorsing smoking of any kind, kids. You know, if there are any kids that watch this show, I can't imagine... Why there would be, but, uh, <laughs> um, but um, yes, it's it's an interesting idea, and also basically it's tied to two pieces of hardware. So you end up buying three pieces of Stephen Slate audio stuff and a plugin. So it's kind of a cool like the plugin reference. I mean, I suppose you could use the mics without obviously the plugin. I mean, why not? So let, let it me just kind of make sense. Sorry, 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 line six stuff for a while. Sorry, I'm sorry. Just go, Corey. I'm talking over everybody now. Well, I'll yeah, shut I up. I just wanted to make sure I understand it. So this is a you 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 buy the mic or two mics? Yeah, two mics and a yeah and the plugin. Oh wow. Wow. Yeah, well, so the whole thing the whole thing costs a couple of grand, but because the plugin knows what it's getting from the mics that but, makes sense. But it that seems makes sense because they have to have a baseline in order to Yeah, they know, know they know what free, the frequency what the, But the yeah. thing is that's quite funny in the in the um, the thing that he uses says so I take this mic which is a high quality condenser mic and I can make it sound like an AKG D12. It's like, yeah, so can I. What I do is this. <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of like, you know, so there is a little bit it wasn't necessarily the best example they used, but I'm sure, you know, that as they the stuff comes online, but people people just totally dig um Stephen Slate. He's got whatever it is a special source about him that makes people kind of want to be is associated with, with the dark side. That's what it is. Do you think that's what it is? He's 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 made a deal. No, I think it, I mean he's obviously he's obviously a musician and an engineer, and he understands how this stuff works and what people want, and he's giving it to people. So that's kind of what matters, really, isn't it? Yeah, I guess marketing is important. That's true, as well as everything else. So is is this like, you know I'm trying to get my head around this? Is this kind of like what the Kemper profiling app is for amplifiers? I is guess that? I guess there's an a aspect of it that that could be the case, but it's. Um, it's, well, he says in you, the thing that it's not convolution, and that he says oh, it's really? not. So it's not an impulse response, and it's not um, a DSP-based EQ thing. It's mod. It's modelled in a different way. But I didn't really understand what that was. But it's all done in. It's all done in line um, Max MSP. <laughs> well, if you think about the Line Six guitars, the Line Six guitar has a piezo pickup in it, and all piezo pickups in the bridge sound pretty much the same. So if you feed that piezo pickup through a set of electronics and you then 
have a set of electronics that can model various different guitars, in theory, you could put any piezo pickup on the front end of that electronics, which is, I'm trying to do this at the moment. I'll tell you whether it works later. But, um, okay. So if you take the concept and apply it to a microphone and say the microphone is now a flat pickup that we know the response of, and then we can model different things onto that flat pickup. If you always use, if you're always using one of those microphones, then theoretically it's doing pretty much the same thing. It's taking one signal and modelling it and into another signal. As long that as it, as, as long as it's got some frequencies to work with, I think that's the thing. But I mean, so that's why they. It both needs to have the whole spectrum yeah, of frequencies both... to work with, which is why you can't so... make an FM57 sound like a U47 or a or a U87. It just doesn't have the top end. It's like downgrade, downgrade only, downgrade, downgrade or sidegrade only is possible. I think, yeah. So, uh, speaking of Line Six, then, what did everyone think of their Bluetooth amplifier? Well, I know this created some hilarity amongst our guitar team, but I actually um, thought it was, it, it's an interest, it's, 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 uh, it's kind of like a lifestyle thing, isn't it? It's, a, it's an acceptable large amp that really kicks out a lot of power, um, but it's for your stereo. So you've got a, a, a fabulous boombox, effectively, that you can plug your guitar into, but it's essentially the digital DSP makes it a like a sort of line six light product to me i don't know mark you might be best to did you see the amplify thing it's the that it's like a sort of vox ac30 shaped cab attractive looking thing that you stick your uh, ipad ios device in and it, it grabs the metadata from the tunes that you're playing along with and matches tones to them which is kind of a neat idea so but it does make it sort of a bit consumer um kid practicing in the bedroom kind of thing but this thing can kick you yeah, there's a 75 watt and 150 watt or 100 watts kicks out a lot of power and looks i like that idea i didn't see it and i but i do like that idea so you what you're saying is if i put bowie into it it turns me into mick ronson yeah it creates a tone a to- and suddenly i sound like mick ronson uh, or else yeah essentially I, I like that idea it's a good idea well, isn't it but you know whether or not it's as uh, as as Rob said, it's a what, bit like this. Uh, it's a bit like this lower third, then, isn't it? Because you've plugged me into. I've turned you into Rich one, Hilton. And now right. suddenly, I've turned <laughs> right. into Rich Hilton. That's right. Your metadata. The, the only thing. The only thing I would say about that is that you know the amount of money on you know of, of equipment that was involved in making Mick Ronson sound like Mick Ronson on the end of a on the end of a record or even live is a vast amount more than that than the technology within that amplifier and you know I've got to say when I was listening to the review and they did the because I didn't film that product um they did the Megadeth sound Megadeth doesn't sound great anyway it sounds pretty bad uh you know right off the bat but that was like Megadeth put through um a radio put you know mic'd up and then put through uh, a set of laptop speakers it just sounded absolutely awful to my ears so, you know, that's, that's fine in approximation. About, I mean, the thing about guitars and valves is, valves is all about even order harmonics, isn't it? So if you play a guitar chord, all of the overtones are going to be even order harmonic overtones. And it has a completely different sound to transistors, which have an odd order harmonic overtone. But the other thing is the air in the room. And what I like about the early Line 6 stuff is that it had something in it called air in the software that actually did sound like a guitar amp in a room, even if you played it through small speakers. And I think somewhere along the line, that's got lost. But if you turn up an amp up really loud in a room, it does. It, the sound of the air being moved is one of the most important things 
that makes yeah. it the most it makes it interesting to play if you're being overwhelmed with the, like a you know you can feel the bloody speakers moving right. at you and stuff yeah, that's I know what, what i want one from an m so and and, and that's why I, I think sometimes i get a bit of abuse for being a, a yamaha thr evangelist but that's exactly what i get when i play on those and they're tiny um <laughs> And I know yeah. I get even more abuse now that I've admitted that I'm involved in their R&D process for, <laughs> for their next line of instruments. I'm not getting any money for that. Um, so I can yeah, vouch I, for that. <laughs> I know that it. Yeah, I know that it is possible to to get that feeling, and that's you know that's a thing. Yeah. To, it's not it's not a quantifiable thing. It's just a feeling, and I've never had that with any Line Six product other than a DT25, uh, which actually has um, yeah. a, a power section that is uh, valve anyway. So did you try start with the really early pods, like the Pod 2.0? Have you used one of those? I'm assuming yeah, you I, I, I used to have a pod um, a very long time ago, and I loved it at the time, but in, in hindsight, um, I don't know, to me it sounded a bit like a, an ME50 or something that, you know, that Boss would release. Um, and, yeah, that's... Uh... Anyway, I'm sorry, but the guitars are taking over the tech show. I'm yeah, gonna sorry, to, We're going to have to bring the, bring the bar down. Just think as if you were playing tape, bar billiards and the time has gone and the, uh, the balls will no longer roll down, for, at least for the moment. Um, the, I have, but, but I suppose I can link it in a kind of slightly tar way when we talk key tar. Obviously, this has been <laughs> a bit of a major oh. uh, start. That yeah, you like that? I've, I, I've saved that for you, Corey, because I knew you'd appreciate the uh, what uh, the finest link punnery that was possible. <laughs> so keytars. Now it seems like there are a couple. We've got the uh, um, the Elisis. Uh, what was it called? I've got it here in my notes. I actually did make some notes. The Elisis one, which has got the wireless. It's the uh, Vortex, which is re-released. They've dropped it by hundred bits. Two hundred bucks. Wireless MIDI. It's got an accelerometer in it and drum pads and all kinds of stuff. 199 bucks. Oh, wow. That's nice. incredibly. And that uses the same wireless MIDI as the uh, Newmark Orbit, which is the DJ controller, which literally you take it, you plug it into a USB key, it's a MIDI port into everything. It's just astonishingly kind of no brain kind of scenario. And we also got the Korg RK100, VT100S, I think it is, or was it RK100S, which was more like uh, 699, which has got the, uh, the bones of a. Uh, uh, a microcorg XL in it in terms of the sound engine. Now I'm I'm curious as to where and who these people are who are who are pushing the market for the for the making of uh, <laughs> guitars. And I'm looking squarely at you, Corey, because I'm wondering whether the hip hop community are just kind of you know they want to get out from behind the decks, behind the pads, get their foot up on the monitor and start wigging out with those kind of what seems to be. Uh, there's a, there's a pro proliferation of Euro style trance lines in uh, in in R O B stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, EDM is taking over, right? So, I mean, I know a lot of people that love vintage gear, vintage sense, and there's a lot of, you know, there's a good number of vintage guitars out there. And I'm seeing that, you know, I just did an interview not long ago uh, with Keith McMillan from KMI. And uh, one of the things we talked about is how there's a transition from people being stationary and behind a keyboard or behind a DJ stand or behind uh, whatever the, the instrument is. And now things are going wireless and they want to get out front and perform more because it seems like beat making and the act of making music is bigger than whoever the performer, the vocal or the lead vocal or lead guy is. So I can easily see how the guitar is making a comeback. And I mean, they're adding pads to things. And this is just 
putting the, the, the musician center stage. So now people want to be untethered. And I think that's what's driving it. It's, it's kind of like the it's trending, really. Ah, so, so, the, so, so do you think we're going to get custom grills? Well, we need spray jobs yeah. and custom paint jobs for guitars. Everything has to be custom made. That's right. Oh. <laughs> you gotta get it. <laughs> I was say, I was surprised gotta, to see that the core for the wireless MIDI technology being fast enough to make all this stuff work, yeah, seamlessly and spontaneously now as well, hasn't it? Because yeah, that's true. I mean, before it was like you hit the key and then it happened several, you know, Microsoft, 20 milliseconds yeah. later, but it doesn't seem yeah, to be yeah. that anymore. So, Gas. Technology has advanced quite a bit, so that's good. Yeah. I, I was interested to see that the Korg guitar was made out of wood or the body was made out of wood, which seems in complete contrast to what they were doing, like, say, with the MS-20 uh, Mini, um, you know, which was very plasticky, sort of uh, wow, abandoning wood. So it'll be just the thing for the, uh, the um, oh, God, what's the name? I, I had that gag lined up, and I can't remember what the name of the boat is. The Titanic Band. You toss that in, and then you can swim <laughs> swim off with it. It might keep you floating. It float, float around with, <laughs> with the guitar. But that seemed, that seemed quite strange to me, because Korg's products have been, you know, as innovative as they can be. The build quality has been going down quite a lot you know becoming much tackier much kind of more plasticky and yet that key tower has got like a wooden body did did that last time been a bit strange i didn't know that it had i didn't know it had one actually but that's an interesting idea i I mean it's not a cheap instrument they're kind of going for the quality i guess maybe they want it to last because it's the idea is going to be on stage so it just it wants to kind of um, bit, I guess it, after a while it could look really distressed and sort of. You I know, was wondering if it was just trying to be a bit more like a guitar by being made out of wood, you know, maybe. whether. Do you think it affects the tone? More <laughs> appealing. <laughs> what kind of wood would it be made out of? Base wood, of course, or something like, <laughs> something like that. African's appealing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> One of those. Um, uh, I mean, obviously, one of the really big stories uh, was the fact that there was no news, and that was on the Roland Ira, or uh, how, does it, how do you say it? Era? I mean, era, era. era. They, I suppose I've, I've as heard in, that they've changed the way you pronounce it. Oh, uh, you, do you have the latest update on how it's pronounced then, Corey? Breaking news. Well, okay, so I, I <laughs> talked to one of the, the people at NAM and I said, I'm looking for the era. And she says, we don't pronounce it like that anymore. I'm like, what anymore? <laughs> <laughs> it's not even out yet. Did she, she, says, did no, she tell we, you? We've pronounced it Ira. So you pronounced it correctly. Ira. She says it's not era, it's Ira. Ira. Mm. This era sounds like era. Yeah. Era, yeah. It's, I suppose yeah, it does, yeah. yeah. They, they made an error, not releasing it in NAMM, obviously. Who knows? They, <laughs> yeah, well, we don't know whether yeah. it's going to be an error or not, but uh, Ira is actually winging its way to us. It's going to be here. We're going to nice. get a pre-release look at it. Uh, we can't say anything about it until the 15th of Feb, I think, but I'm hoping it's going to be here on Friday or Monday, and I'm going to have it, whatever it is, or whatever they are, in my hands to play with. Um, yeah. So I'm quite excited I'm by that. To it. I, I, I'm looking forward to what you think of it and what it actually is. I guess the, the IRA is a line of three or four products. Um, so it'll be interesting to see exactly what they come with. And uh, there's some people that seem to be a little disappointed that it's not analog because, you know, we're all analog crazed right now. I love it. But, you know, I suppose that somebody like uh, Roland can make a pretty good digital piece. That's what they do, right? So it'll be One interesting think so, to see yeah. what they got. It, one would think so. Do you think there's an appetite for it in the in the kind of beat making community, or are they looking for analog or vintage, you know, chips and what have you? 
Well, there's a lot of of, of um, people wanting analog stuff and vintage stuff, but there's a lot of excitement about this IRA TR-08 um, because, I mean, obviously the TR-808 is so classic and beat-making and hip-hop. So, yeah, there's a lot of yeah. people curious about it. I think it's going to make a big splash. As long as they don't make any blaring, you know, any glaring mistakes or anything, I think it'll be pretty good. Yeah, all I'm they've got to do is get the kick drum right, the hi-hat right, mm -hmm. the snare right, the claps right. They, <laughs> they could probably leave the clave. Not too worried about that. Ride cymbal's quite important. Mm -hmm. And then if it's yeah. got 909 sounds on it, I mean, you've got to get... Because, you know, people endlessly the, the quest for the perfect drum you cannot sample it it does not come across right so it's going to have right. to be got right and from what i'm hearing i mean I, I know that it's been going out to artists and artists have been you know looking at it and kind of they lining them all up to kind of you know do their this sounds great kind of videos i don't know if you know of anyone who's had their hands on it or anyone does so maybe yeah. there will be you know whether the buzz is going to start being actually i couldn't believe it sounded you know i couldn't believe it wasn't a whatever it's supposed to be that would be interesting because mm. that's the sort of stuff that's going to be leaking out quite soon i guess yeah pretty much i mean I've, I've heard that there's been some guys in in forums that said they've tested it and although it is digital it it sounds pretty damn good so i'm i'm interested to see what we what they come up with and uh, i can't wait to get my hands on it i'm interested to see what you think about them when they bring the the set over. Yeah, well, I, I've never had or owned an 808, uh, and I really hate step programming. <laughs> so I'm gonna. It's gonna have to be. Pretty, so it's gonna be interesting to see because I just yeah. I mean, I, I left all that behind when I you know sold my Korg DDM 110 or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, uh, it'd be very interesting to see what the sound generation is. Um, and the, the no news. I what Dave Smith said about analog and digital because I think. He basically said that he's not running with any trends, which makes perfect sense if you're designing synthesizers to actually go with what works for the design of the synthesizer and what sounds good. And he was just so kind of chilled out about synthesizer design. I just liked his approach and his attitude to it. Um, I, I, and I think I favor digital oscillators with analog filters. So I... I you know, I, I would go in his direction. Yeah, and I had I had a chance to play with the Prophet 12 um, and just yeah. sort of 10 minutes and just stuck a pair of headphones and played a few. And I have to say, it sounded bloody amazing. It really is just absolutely enormous and kind of really impressive. But, uh, you know, so, uh, and I haven't felt that, that perhaps quite so strongly about some of the other products that he's made. So, yeah, I mean, whatever he's doing, I think he's getting right in, 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 in many ways. Yes, I like really I like the tabletop format as well. I, yeah. I mean, I just I want I one especially that's you know right. Sorry, then again, you... I also want a freak box Murmux as well. I oh, quite yeah. like the look of that. just for the carpet. Gas, yep. go. I was going to mention the freak box, the freak box Murmux. The the you know I, I wonder if that's going to bring a new dynamic into you know the design of these products to look more. I don't know. I mean, like that thing, when I first saw it, it's, what is it, a tweed covering? Uh, I'm just trying to find it in my massive oh, list cool. of videos. Yeah. So, you know, it's like if you had a studio where everything looked like that, you know, had that sort of look about it, it would look, I don't know, very stylish. You know, I'm, I'm not there sure is, as a synthesizer that a it steampunk. had particularly a lot to offer, but the look of it's beautiful. Yeah, I, I've got, oh, just got yeah, the... That thing. Yeah. Got the video, yeah. It, it's got a. It's a, in fact, I went to the um, 
Pittsburgh Modular booth where I did a video and he said, oh man, you got to go and see these synths. They've got like carpet on the front of them. <laughs> and that was it. It wasn't like they sound amazing. It's like yeah. they've got carpet on. <laughs> which <laughs> So it's an interesting kind of notion in, uh, but they do look very lovely. I mean, they're not cheap, but um, I guess, you know, not everything should be. I think, I think a lot of the time with people buying things for the studio, it is a lot to do with how it looks. Yeah. You know, I know a lot of people have got some really neat kit in their studio, but in their general workflow, they turn into the you know their plugins all the time just because, just to rig everything it's up, plug everything it, yeah. in, it's just that much more effort. So, you know, it's lovely to have these things. So if if that design ethic, you know, becomes the you know just things look really nice on shelves, like you walk into a studio and you see that stuff and you'd just be like, ooh, lovely. That looks yeah, but great. anybody who owns a studio with one of those in it is going to say, I'm sorry, you can't smoke in here, and then that's going to be sort of game over for a lot of people, isn't it? And if you if you <laughs> smoke near that, it's just going to get all into the... You can't, you can't smoke in studios rocks, anymore, can you? I didn't think you were allowed to. Unless you've well, got a fancy, studio uh, fancy what, electric <laughs> cigarette. Yeah, that's true. Unless you've got you electric... Fancy cigarette. electric ones. That's right, because that doesn't give out any... Well, I don't know what it does give out, but it certainly makes you cough. It's <laughs> an interesting idea. That so, sorry about guys. Just going to say, a cigar and a smoking jacket would look perfectly right with that Mermux, so wouldn't it? It you know? would. Yeah, should come with one. That's right. Yeah, like a quilted kind of affair with a sort of slightly golden. Yeah, that that would be a satin kind of vibe. I wasn't really thinking about tobacco, actually, to be honest. But I know what uh, you're saying. You know, Either way, whatever it does, generate traditional, traditional studio smoking. smoking. Yeah, I, I, I get your picture. <laughs> It's going to retain like the smell, it. isn't it? The wet dog. You know, if you don't, you wouldn't want it to get damp or anything, or spill a drink. You know if you spill was, a drink on it. Well, you know what's interesting about? I mean, you you just said it about that free box. I mean, we've spent the last five minutes talking about it, and we haven't talked once, spoken once about how it sounds. No. So that's interesting. That says a lot. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> okay. I don't know, but they just sort of sounded get... like an analog synth to me. It didn't do anything. Unexpected. Amazing, but it didn't do anything it shouldn't. So no, I guess not. Yeah, yeah. The UAD Apollo Twin, Nick. Ah, uh, yes, the Apollo Twin. Um, I, I, that got me very excited just purely because um, we had it here, and it, it's a thing of great beauty, and it's a really interesting price point. So we're talking, um, I think it's about eight or nine hundred dollars. So hopefully about five or six hundred quid for a pair of those really good uh, UAD preamps. Plus, you get a pair of the Shark DSPs in it, and you get an ADAT input as well. So you can get up to t and, a, and an SP diff. I think you get up to ten. No, ten inputs because you've got the two mic pre's and that. I mean, it's also got this uh, variable mic technology, which they're releasing plugins for, which actually physically cha electronically changes the characteristics of the mic pre's so that you get a variable um, impedance. So it'll match, and uh, so it will sound like or at least be modelled more accurately like other mic pre's which have different impedances and what have you. And that is a very interesting idea in itself. But I must the admit, liquid, I was the just... Liquid channel, the Focusrite Liquid Channel did something similar to that, didn't it? But this, obviously, it's an audio interface as well, and it just... Uh, oh, it's and it's just got a... You know, the form factor is just beautiful, isn't it? That that would just look really great in a you know on a desktop. It um, is so beautifully built. Um, the only downside is it's pure Thunderbolt um, because you know there's got to be a jump at some point. And and this was interesting. The thing about Thunderbolt is, and we've discussed it before, is just the the, the sheer cost of the interface is is enormous. You know, but it does uh, the twin 
if they if they could then t- if they if they make that twin and, and and they're making enough money on the actual hardware, it would be really interesting to see if they maybe start to bring down the the, the price ceiling of some of the plugins that they produce because it would make that platform a great deal more attractive to a lot more people. I don't know if uh, um, if everybody's had the experience of the UAD stuff, but the mic amps, just, I mean, if you take, we've got these SE Electronics ribbon mics, mic amp, uh, one of those ribbons into the UAD, my, it just sounds, I mean, you know, it's gorgeous. I, and because you've got the zero latency it's stuff. It's magical. Can, yeah. It's magical, quite frankly. I mean, a lot of the UA stuff is just magical. I have a satellite, so I can't, I can't, you know, run a signal directly into it, but the, the, their, their plugs are incredible. It's almost magic. I mean, it kind of saved my hide a couple of times on a couple of projects that I've done. So, yeah, I mean, having something like that that you can, you know, run a signal into and model different things and use their plugs, it's like a godsend. Yeah, it's just a, it's, it's a bit of a chunk of change, but really nice. It is. It is um, mm-hmm. I, I'd be interested to see what the final U, uh, UK street price is. Cause, uh, yeah, if it's, if and it's going to be interesting to see if, if anybody would want to actually buy the the very similar looking Zoom Thunderbolt. Uh, yeah, product. I didn't get a chance to see that, but that's uh, not dissimilar in price, but doesn't really have an awful lot of I/O for the money, does it? I seem to recall. No, I can't really see why. What the point of it is, really, because it's um, it's quite pricey. You know, I think it's five Zoom, or six hundred bucks, and I have to check. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Zoom are a great company for making cheap very functional products and here's an expense product that doesn't really do a lot so it seems quite a strange uh you know mixture of of what zoom normally do and obviously with this apollo uh which it might be a little bit more but you get an awful lot more for your money so i mean i'm not sure the zoom are going to uh have a success on their hands with that thing i'm just going to bring that up not to mention there it is you, you have with the UAD stuff, you have that whole, this is just like a gaggle of all of these plugs that they have. I mean, um, the, the, the Zoom can't compete with that stuff. No, it's a two in, two out. I mean, uh, what's it going to cost? Let's have a look. It does look kind of very similar. sort of. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, hold on, 399 I mean, that's about half the price. Yes. So I mean, you know, twin next to it there on that picture. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> it is, yeah. Thank you, sponsor. Um, yeah. <laughs> It's interesting. Um, yeah, it, it's going to be, you know, it's because they're, they're very different price points, but you can't help but think, you know, I'd w- which one I'd rather have um, is the one on the right at the moment, for sure. Um, but yeah, interesting times. Um, I'm just trying to think if there's anything else in the, that's been uh, called. I, I think one of the big, well, we saw uh, in the, the flesh one of the new Mac Pros. Sorry? What was so, that, Rich? I saw a few people in the chat room uh, wanting to hear you talk about the Thera Mini. Ah, the Theremony, yeah, um, oh. as well as the Moog thing, the, the Theremony. This is an interesting thing, and um, I've got it somewhere. Let me just quickly uh, dig that up. But that was uh, the new Theremin from Moog, which has got a quantization uh, on it, basically. So it allows you to snap or not in various varying degrees uh, the pitch. So it essentially makes it a playable Theremin, because, uh, as we know, a Theremin is quite hard to play but it's also but what's inside it is more interesting it's got it's dsp based so it's actually got uh mm. uh what they said was the bones of any of the animog i'm just mm. trying to find it here i've got a, i know we've got a news story but one thing they did say was uh it the theremin is by far and away uh the biggest selling product for moog uh, which is surprising because i mean you don't see it played an awful lot Moog introduces the, the theremin yeah here we go 
Uh, and we shot something here um, with uh, Steve Durant. There you go. That's what it looks like. It's a beautiful looking thing. We actually had uh, mm. me and Rich. Uh, actually, good time to plug our sponsor, me and Rich. Um, thanks to Personas, who sponsored uh, the tech side of the videos. Um, we were doing a 10 minute kind of... Uh, Massively improvised, incredibly last minutely organized uh, stand up routine. And we got moved to come on and do it. We did this thing called One Minute Pitch where we just bring people on. And uh, uh, I forgot the name of the chap. He came on and did one. It was just, he was holding it. And it was every time we moved, it all went, woo, woo, woo. It was very good. It was comedy gold, I have to say. And I, I think it uh, was. I think, I, I think Personas will, when that on reflection, looking back at it, they'll probably be able to license it to uh, one of the major networks, I'd imagine, as a sort of sketch in its own right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, thank you very much to Personas for their sponsorship of uh, of our coverage, and also obviously to uh, modkitsdiy.com uh, for the amp side of things. But yeah, the ceremony is interesting, but it is a digital thing. But it's also got, I think it's also got MIDI and CV out. So again, it's got it ways does. of you know it, it, people are sort of they're put and it's what price is it going to be? Three hundred nineteen bucks it says here, which is yeah, is yeah. a pretty good. That's value. a great price point for that. I mean. You know, I have a, a, a theremin Etherwave kit not far from here, right over on the table. It's a kit. It's, Nobody it's move, it'll go pieces. off. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, so to see a theremin come around with, you know, one of the things that God said to me, the, the thing about a theremin is, is about to play it. It's not the most easy thing to play. So having that, that pitch correction on there where you can actually play through the scales, where it's like, uh, like you said, a training wheels kind of for playing yeah, a theremin. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and it has the Animal engine in the inside, or the Animal derived engine in the inside. So I think it's a pretty fresh idea. I think they're going to sell a gang of them. I think it's going to um, be into education. But can you imagine? I mean, if we stand back a little while and just say, right, what the world needs is a whole new generation of theremin players coming up through the ranks, <laughs> so that we can hear more of it in our everyday recordings. Uh, does that sound like a statement that we would all uh, support uh, and, and wholeheartedly endorse? I'm not sure if that would necessarily. <laughs> I would. <laughs> that, well, that's a good way to. That's an interesting way to look at it. I didn't think of it that way, but yeah, you got a point. <laughs> I mean, uh, but it, that's, it's interesting because I use the theremin um, as a as a kind of example of you know when people are talking about using like leap motions and stuff to control things but gesturally and i said well you know have you ever tried to play a theremin think about that when you're thinking yeah i could just mooch around my um, computer interface with a touch with a kind of gestural control uh, the answer is no you can't because it'll be completely uncontrollable and you'll have to be so specific to kind of you know get the mouse yeah, the or right even the i-beam things on the roland actually I mean, I had, I've yeah. sold my V-Synth now, but they, they had two I-Beam controllers. D-Beam. D-Beam, that's unless right, Unless you set them on a really low resolution, like all you've got to do is kind of move, or smoke as well, actually. Smoke machine. And that, you know what? Those things help. to me were kind of like uh, party tricks. You know what I mean? Like you show up with a deck of cards or you got your D-Beam on your, your roll and they were putting them on everything for a while there. You, you know, it was yeah. all like uh, you, you put your hand over it you make it do something, you're like, hey, that's cool. Okay, now back to plan. <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, I exactly. I mean, has anybody ever that? mastered playing music on the DB? I don't mean the thing is, The, the thing is, you, anything, there was also that whole generation of Roland demonstrators that had this kind of ninja-like kind of way that they would use it and look really like it was, oh, this is just almost it bringing me cool. to climax, you know. <laughs> that's right. But, uh, yeah, that's I'm not true. so sure. I think they must have bought, like, 
I don't know, a million of them or something, so that they just have, they've got a whole warehouse. It's kind of like Rumpelstiltskin, you know, where you're looking in the background and they've got to empty this warehouse by, you know, whenever it is, 2020, when there will be no longer be, a, <laughs> there will no longer be D-beams in, in the world. And they've got yeah, another warehouse full of new supernatural chips as well, I think. Can I ask right. a question, because I wasn't paying attention? Go. Uh, Apollo, the Apollo... Um, Oh God, what's it called? Apollo Twin. Yeah. How much was the Apollo Twin? Um, it's about $900, or $900, so it'll be hopefully in the region of 600 quid. Because it does say on, I'm just looking at the specs, it says UAD2 inside, one or two Shark DSP processors built into it. So that actually, that's a really good price point, isn't it? Yeah, well, you can buy the, the desktop, uh, you can buy the desktop in, I think it will come in solo and twin form. But I would suggest right. there's no point in buying also, anything. So you can also plug in a light pipe and have eight more inputs on it if you want. So yeah, yeah. Actually, it looks, that looks very yeah. cool, actually. It is quite thrilling. Gaz, are you tempted? Sorry to jump back a Have bit, you got but... any UAD hardware, Gaz, yet? Apart from the, my camps? No, no. Uh, but, I mean, I used to use the, um, the TC PowerCore platform and the focus right liquid mix as well but i stopped using those because i didn't like the um the fact that those things always had to be plugged in in order to be able to run the project that i was working on but if it's your heart if it's your audio interface then yeah yeah that kind of it, it, that it, does make it a lot more appealing i suppose hmm. but the same thing does apply though and it's like um mm, am i going to if i come back to it in a few years time yeah it won't be there uh, anymore that's true am i going Am I going to be locked out of my of my pro of my uh, when all projects? my when all my twelve month uh, uh, NFRs on the on the plugins have gone and I realise to yeah. rerun the plug rerun the project I've either got to grovel or I've got to spend like five grand on plugins yeah it's tricky yeah anyway it looks like or it feels like we're probably coming towards the uh, useful end of life um, uh, of this show it's been a great fun as ever nice to do the post NAM thing and I, I want to pr appreciate everybody coming on board I know everybody's got a lot to say so thanks everybody for patiently waiting for your turns and and uh, speaking when you need to and all of those sort of things so thank you very much uh, um, one thing we've got to say really is thanks to all the sponsors that have made it possible this year um, to, to make NAM as good as it was we're talking about Behringer we're talking about Keith McMillan Instruments, uh, Universal Audio, TC Electronic, uh, uh, and Presonus and Mudkits DIY. Uh, I hope I haven't forgotten anyone. Rich, can you remember anybody else? Uh, that sounds just about like everyone to me. And also, uh, we've got to thank our, the team. Uh, Rich did a fantastic job, and Rob, and Andy, and uh, Mira, um, who was our local team. She's the one who brought the cookies and helped us get <laughs> get food in and brought the beer, which was a very important part of the uh, thing. And also the, the live bloggers, uh, Jason uh, from Soundtracks Loops and, of course, Mira as well. And uh, the bloggers who wrote afterwards, Scott McGrath and Greg Cole. Uh, we did do live blogs this time, which I have to say were fantastically successful. I can't believe that uh, 20,000 people were interested in me drinking a cup of tea and then getting in the cab. <laughs> and then this is what the back of the headrest on the plane looks like. But they were. And I'm, I'm very, very pleased that uh, that, that works. And we're going to see more of that when we do it from Music Messer as well. So uh, we'll say thank you to everybody this week. I'm going to start with you, Rich. Um, I know... Um, you you know your precious time off you've been working constantly in your proper job since yeah. getting back so uh appreciate you kind of taking time out rather than sleeping no. which i'm sure you probably need to uh no it's it's nice to talk about guitars rather than um the, the world of national newspapers so uh 
Yeah, thanks for that. And I'd just like to say um, personally a massive thanks to my very good friend and colleague Rob, who uh, he worked behind the scenes at NAM, and most of the guys looking at our stuff wouldn't know how much he did, but uh, Absolutely. massive effort from him. So, um, Rob, if you're watching this, which you probably won't be, thanks. <laughs> Yeah, I would second that too. Um, I'll see if I can dig out one of those photos uh, that will embarrass him for the rest of his life. I think I did find one. Uh, if I could, Ah, here we go. This is Rob. Yeah, we'll just... Hopefully that'll... Uh, well, I'll wait for the photo to load. In the meantime, I'm going to go back to Corey. Thank you very much for jumping in. Uh, and um, great to have you on the show. It's always nice to get fresh blood uh, into... Well, thank you, man. Thanks, thanks for having me. It's been a blast being on the show. Um, anytime you need me to come back, just holler. I'll be there. Yeah, great. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, good okay. to meet you. And we'll see you there next time as well. But we'll certainly talk Indeed. before and we'll love and, to And I'll it. expect to be invited to, you know, the after events where there's all this beer you're talking about. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and there's proof. In fact, I think I've got proof of what happened at the... There we go. That's Rob. And that's, <laughs> there's Rich asleep in the background as well there. But yeah. Um, thank you anyway, Corey. Um, B-Boy Tech Report is where you need to go. Check out what uh, Corey's up to. You're still posting stuff from NAM, right? Indeed, I am. Yeah, one-man show, so, you know, got a, got a lot of work still. I got some videos that are still being edited and posted, so for the next couple of weeks, there'll probably still be stuff being posted. Cool. Excellent stuff. Uh, also, I want to say you, thank, thank you very much to Gaz Williams over there, gazwilliams.me, um, reclining on the sofa, chilling like a resident, in the immortal words of young MC. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I was just going to say, you must check out, if you haven't already seen it, Andy Andy's review of, oh, Andy's kind of, not his review, his uh, feature on the new Sony D, D100 uh, portable recorder. It's just it's a really funny moment in it. This worth, uh, the guy does his spiel and he does a little wave as though that's it. And then Andy asks him a question and yeah. his face, his face is amazing. It just looks like he's kind of, yeah. So <laughs> what is the improvement exactly? And he can't actually come up with a decent answer, can he? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's a brilliant moment. <laughs> well, do check that out. Anyway, thank you very much, Gaz. Uh, pleasure, as always, to have you. And Mr. You. Um, Mr. Mark Hilton over there in uh, in his, uh, his synth so testing lab. Ah, monsieur. Um, so I'm yes. feeling very chic. Very chic, um, yes, in fact. Well, I mean, I... I I've just sat on my armchair and clicked on all your videos and found out what's going on in the world. I even purchased something, actually, for the vast sum of £4 from Forgotten Ooh. Keys, that uh, the Rhythm Ace sample set for Contact, which is really cool. good, actually, and I think I might buy all of their stuff, actually. Um, so uh, what can I say? Thank you very well, much I for say having thank me. You. I always enjoy doing this. Well, Apologies for talking all over everybody. I'm doing it again. That's all right. <laughs> I need a light here. Uh, Recording now. Like a, a kind of a, a MIDI-controlled light over over uh, the internet so that goes green. Mark, it's okay to talk now, and then red stop. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see. I'll see if we, I could get our tech people on it and see whether we can come up with something. I'm sure it's not yeah, necessary. Absolutely. But Mark, thank you very much. And also, I'm looking forward to uh, what you think of the analog four because uh, we're going to get you oh, yeah. get you to come over I, and do I your thing. Went through to the other room in, uh, with a sudden. Uh, feeling of paranoia when you said I'd been knocked off the keyboard stand because it is entirely possible for that to happen so I had to go I <laughs> unplugged it all and put it on the sofa really carefully because I just don't know what I'd do with myself if I broke it <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, well, I'm sure it's all right. But anyway, thank you very much, Mark. Thank you, Mark, everybody. I'm going to leave you with the uh, the endearing image of our after show party. In fact, there are some people. I think you can see John Van Eaton there in the uh, in the chat room, who's also at the party. That's him uh, with just by Rich Hilton. And uh, there's those two guys next to me. Uh, that's uh, Elizabeth and James Lewin from Synthtopia. Two of the nicest people you could ever meet in your entire life. They really are. And uh, Jason Isgar. Aaron, sorry, Aaron Isgar, and there's Rob and Andy, and uh, there's Jason Donnelly and Rich there in the corner, and Mira and some bloke who I don't know who he is. <laughs> well, you know, I got an idea for that, that guy that you don't know who he is. I'm going to send you a picture of me, just kind of superimpose it in there, and we'll say I was there. <laughs> okay, brilliant. And then uh, I, I'll send you some kind of margarita voucher to kind of... There you go. Just so that it all <laughs> becomes a, a real actuality. Right, guys, right. thank you very much, everybody. Uh, that is Sonic Talk number 346. It's a wrap. I'm going to press fade to black and then I stop recording.